Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today is Mother's Day, so we're celebrating our moms. Uh, we are celebrating every one of you, and, and I know in our own family, not only are we remembering those that have gone before, we've lost some, some great matriarchs over the last few years, you know, my grandmother, uh, but we're also celebrating those moms that we still have uh, that are blessing our lives even today. Uh, my mom's here. Hi, mom. Uh, my mom's here today, and so I'm really excited to have her here. Uh, my wife is here as well, and not only is it Mother's Day, but it's our 35th wedding anniversary. So if you, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's all for her for putting up with me for 35 years. So, uh, but we're just celebrating our moms. How are you celebrating your moms today? Because uh, this is that one day that we set off just to remember them, even though we should remember them every day of the year. But it's that one day that we try to make them feel special and make sure that they are aware of how much we love them. Uh, my wife um, not only is a mother, but she's also here recently uh, turned into a grandmother. And I'm starting to learn that there's something magical that happens when moms turn into grandmothers as well. Uh, there, there's another level that they reach. It's incredible. I found this story. It's about a trial in a southern uh, small town. And it says the prosecuting attorney called his first witness, and it was this grandmotherly elderly woman, to the stand. They swore her in. She took her seat, and he approached her and said, Miss Jones, do you know me? She responded, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a little boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a big shot when you haven't got the brains to realize that you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I sure know you. He was so taken back, he didn't know what else to do, and he turned around and looked at the defense attorney, and then he finally asked her, he said, Miss Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She said, yes, I do. You know I know Mr. Bailey since he was a youngster, too. He's lazy, he's bigoted, he's got a drinking problem, he can't build a normal relationship with anyone, his law practice is one of the worst in the States, not to mention he's cheated on his wife three times with three different women, one of them being your wife. Yes, I know him. The defense attorney nearly collapsed. About that time, the judge called both the counselors to approach the bench, and in a very quiet voice, he said, if either one of you idiots ask her if she knows me, I'll put both of you in the electric chair. <laughs> Something about our moms and our grandmothers, isn't there? I mean, they know everything. And here's what's great about it, right? Uh, you would agree with this. You would say that no one knows us better than our moms, and no one loves us more than our moms. And to me, that's a complete paradigm shift, right? Because you would think the people that know you best wouldn't love you like that because they know all your flaws, they know everything about you. But yet, that's, that's the mother's love. It's one of the best examples that we have of Christ's love 
on this earth. And so um, today we're celebrating you as moms, and I, I want to take you to a pas- passage that I think is going to spell out a few things for us, not just as mothers, but as grandmothers as well. I love the fact that both of them are called out in this passage. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Grab your Bibles, head over there, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to just kind of camp out in the first seven verses this morning and uh, take a look at this idea of motherhood and if it has an impact in the world around us. I've heard it said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and I believe that to be true. And I think you're going to see it in our text this morning, because there's a mother and a grandmother that's mentioned in our text, and, and they raise a young man that ends up being a world changer. And so before I get going, I just want to tell all of you moms, you guys are world changers, whether you know it or not. And, and here's what's great about motherhood. Not only are you world changers, but by doing what you're doing and raising the kids, or the kids that you have raised, or as grandmothers pouring into your grandkids, not only are you a world changer, but you are actually influencing the next generation of, of world changers. And I think you have more influence, more power than you, you can imagine. It's just incredible when you see the effect that a mom has on her family and the people around her family. Uh, in this text, the biblical character that we're looking at today is a young man by the name of Timothy. And Timothy is handpicked by the Apostle Paul to be a missionary, to be a, a pastor, a discipler, and, and to preach the gospel. And he takes him on his, on his missions trip. Now, there's a reason for it, though, and we find out what that reason is here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Take a look at this. It starts off with this. Uh, 2 Timothy, it says, is a letter. This letter is from Paul. So Paul's writing this. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I've been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy. So we know 2 Timothy is a letter from Paul to Timothy. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so I think there's some important things in this text that we can draw out as it relates to motherhood today. And, and, so, and I just want to say grandmothers as well, because again, you just saw mothers and grandmothers are mentioned in this. So we're not going to separate the two, but I, I want to encourage you with a few things today. I think you have influence over the next generation. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to invest a few things in this next generation. Whether it's your own kids, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's neighborhood kids. I don't don't know where God has you. uh, But I've seen some amazing things happen when you just pour yourself into into the, the next generation around you. And so here's a few things that I want to share with you from this text that I think you can invest in the next generation. Um, They're very simplistic. One of them might shock you, I don't know, or maybe not. Maybe you're doing it already, but let's jump into this. And and I want to say that the first thing I want to challenge you to invest in the next generation so that they might be world changers, to change your world around you. 
uh, would be this, this thing called tenderness, tenderness. And moms are so good at this. I think you are, uh, God has designed you in a very unique way to teach tenderness. Uh, because as fathers, we don't do a very good job of it, do we? Like dads are rough around the edges. We don't bring a whole lot of tenderness to it. But man, uh, our kids learn that from you. Uh, you'll notice one of the first things that you see in this text, which is kind of interesting, as Paul's writing to this, this young uh, apprentice of his, Timothy, he actually calls out a moment when there were tears. Uh, these two are our dear, loyal friends. And in verse 4, he says this, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Now, it's interesting that he would call that out. Uh, Timothy is known by Paul as a person who is tender. Somebody who actually cares for the people around him. Like he has empathy for the world. And where do you think he learned that from? It had to have come from his grandmother and his mom. Uh, So much so, in fact, that when Paul was writing about Timothy in another place in Philippians chapter 2, he wrote this. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. He's somebody who has empathy. He cares for the world around him. He has tenderness. Paul's saying, look, this guy is like-minded. He's he's like souls. We're, We're... We're moving in the same direction on a lot of subjects. I really like this guy. We're tracking together. Uh, He's a loyal friend of mine. Um, Timothy becomes a follower of Paul, a disciple of Paul's, and he follows him around. He learns from him. And and there's a moment when they are departed, is what it says in this passage, where he tears up because he knows that he probably won't see him again. Or he just loves him so much that he doesn't want to be apart from him. And this is a tender expression of this loyalty that two brothers in Christ share with each other at some event. And we're not sure exactly what event it is uh, from Scripture and what we know about their lives. It probably could have happened in a couple of places. First one, when Timothy goes on the missions trip with Paul, they go to Ephesus and they start a church. And there's a moment there where Paul leaves Timothy there to stay at this church, to take care of this church. And it might have been in that moment when Timothy tears up. Or it could have been later on in Acts chapter 20 when Paul returns. And and it says that he returns and the elders of this church come out and they greet him. And they're standing there on the beach and Paul shares some instruction with them. And they all hug and they embrace and they cry because, for, for I don't know how it happened, but God revealed to Paul that he was never going to see these men face to face ever again. Like this would be the last time that he would visit them. Maybe Timothy was a part of that departure. Maybe he was standing there that day and cried. I don't know what it is. Now that might seem odd to you. Um, You know, the fact that somebody would cry, these two men would cry at their departure. But it's not odd to me at all. Um, Actually, I've done that myself. Some brothers that I'm very dear to, that when when we would part ways, I would tear up. Because I love them so much and I, I just love my time with them. Uh, One of them in particular is my grandfather. I remember several years before he passed, it seemed like every time I'd go visit him, um, I would struggle in leaving because I was afraid that was going to be the last time I would see him. One time in particular, my brother, my brother's a year younger than I am, and we both have two sons, and we just threw the boys in the car, and we drove all the way to Iowa to see my grandfather, and we hung out with him for a while. And at the end of that trip, I remember uh, we loaded up the car, we hugged my grandfather goodbye, kissed him, got in the car, and all four of our boys were in that, you know, early, early teenage or pre-teenage stage, so they're in that awkward stage, right, where, you know, macho and the whole bit, right? They're in the car, and I'll never forget this. We got in, and my brother was driving. I was sitting in the passenger seat, and as we're leaving, for the first two hours of that trip, no one said a word because my brother and I were sitting in the front seats, and we just had tears running down our face. 
We're weeping and just remembering all the good times that we spent with our grandfather. And for four teenage boys to sit in the back and be totally silent and just go, something's up. Like, we understand that this moment is sacred. It, it, was, it was a tender moment. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But yet, in this passage, Paul writes it down, and, and it's kind of cool to me that he writes it down. I mean, it's one thing to cry at the event, right? But it's different to have your buddy actually write it down. So for 2,000 years later, people are like, oh, you cried, right? That's a little different. Now, that might seem a little embarrassing to us as guys, but the reality is, um, I think it's really cool. Even in a culture today where we're told that we can't cry, like crying as a man shows weakness, uh, I think when we read this, we go, man, that's, that's manly. To have brothers like that, brothers in arms that lock shields together, and yet you, you weep when they depart from you, I think it's beautiful. It's, it's interesting because tenderness is a good trait for men, and many of us lack it because our moms didn't teach it to us or, or we rejected it. Mothers, you can teach tenderness to your kids, and I think it's especially important for your young men to learn tenderness. Uh, a jerk can go out and be macho. That's not masculine. It takes a real man to, to be in connection with his, his feelings to understand that, no, this is a precious moment. This is a tender moment. See, I, I believe that we learn that tenderness from our moms. One of the ways that God shows himself to be everywhere is through the tender care and love of a mother. It's, it's interesting to me, right, is uh, our moms know everything about us. They're always there when we mess things up. And, you know, but yet it's in that moment that we learn that, hey, God cares for us and he forgives us and he, he does support us and he takes care of us. We learn a lot of that through the tender care of our mother. And I believe that Timothy got his tender, tenderness from his grandmother and from his mother because um, scholars believe that his dad... Uh, a lot of scholars would say that he passed away at a very, very young age when Timothy was, was very young. Um, he was raised by his mother and grandmother. We know that from the text. Um, my mom's here, and I can just tell you, I know my mom has a very, very tender heart. Uh, she, she tried to be tough with us when we were boys, right? And uh, I remember we would do stupid things. We'd say something, we'd shoot our mouth off, or we would do something we shouldn't have done, and it would hurt her. And I remember even in my later teen years when I realized that I'd hurt my mom, and she, you know, she'd tear up or whatever, that would crush me. It would crush me because I realized, oh my gosh, I just, I hurt the, this, this lady who loves me and cares for me and, and what a jerk I am, what an idiot am I. And you know what that did? That prepared me for life. It, it actually prepared me for marriage as well. Um, I, I love the fact that our moms teach us tenderness. Moms, one of the greatest, greatest contributions to your kids is displayed tenderness. When you show them tenderness, show them how they can be tender. And you know what? They need that. Uh, there's a British psychiatrist by the name of John Bowley out there, and he writes this. The young child's hunger for his mother's love and presence is as great as his hunger is for food. Her absence inevitably generates a powerful sense of loss and anger. We need that. Because without it, um, we'll turn to other things like anger and loss. It's tenderness that makes our child approachable. It's tenderness that makes our child relatable. It's tenderness that makes our child um, credible. So the first investment I would encourage you with is to invest in tenderness in your kids. Um, the second one is in verse 5. It says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. 
It's interesting here in this, this text because they're writing it in the first century where uh, women were not held in high esteem, not in this culture. And yet Paul goes out of his way to make sure that he lists the names of his mother and grandmother. That's how highly he thought of them. And notice the father's not mentioned at all. Uh, we're not sure why. Like I said, some scholars believe he died. Uh, there, there could be another reason, though, because we're told in Acts chapter 16 that Timothy was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed in the new way. She believed in Christ, but his father was Greek. That's what it's told to us. And, and so uh, if you think through that, his father being Greek, he may have just said, you know what? Um, you and your mom have gone to this new Christian thing. I'm out. And he could have just checked out. He could have left. So we don't know exactly why his, da- his dad wasn't present, but his father is not present in his life. Now, why do I bring all that stuff up? Well, just to say this, um, for you moms, especially you moms that are doing this thing on your own, Timothy got his faith from his mom, not his dad. And not only did she teach him tenderness, but she taught him godliness. She taught him godliness. I believe that his mom um, led him to Christ he and his, uh, she and her mom grew him up in Christ. They matured him in Christ. That's why he stood out when Paul came and, and visited. That's why Paul was so impressed with Timothy. Because Timothy's mom and grandmother poured so much into him when it came to godliness. Now we know it wasn't originally a Christian home. Even though it was a Jewish mom... And I don't want to talk about this subject a lot on, on Mother's Day, I'll just be honest with you, but, but here's something we know, uh, it gives us a little insight into Timothy and his family, is that Timothy wasn't circumcised. Paul took him and had him circumcised so that he could minister to the Jewish communities. So that means that when he was born, when, when he came into this world, it wasn't in a Jewish family. And I don't know why, maybe, maybe it was because his dad was Greek, and his dad was like, you know what, we don't do that. Nope, that's a Jewish thing, we ain't doing that. And he didn't do it. Um, the, the other thing that's interesting is Timothy's name. I don't think a Greek dad would give his son a name like Timothy. I think his mom named him. Do you know why? Do you know what Timothy means? Timothy means one who fears the Lord. I think his mom named him, which indicates to me that his dad was out of the picture pretty early. Um, I also love Eunice's name as well. You don't hear that name very often, do you? Um, I don't know why, right? But here, we should hear it though. You know why? Because it means one who conquers well or one who gets a good victory. And can I just say this, man? She, she earned her name. To raise Timothy the way that she did, to care for him, to raise such a, an outstanding young man on her own. Man, talk about earning your namesake, right? Now, there are two times that we know that Paul comes and visits this town that they live in. They, they live in a, a town called Lystra. It's in modern-day Turkey. And the first time that Paul shows up, it's almost like revival time, right? He shows up, he begins preaching the gospel, and, and they believe that this is the moment when Timothy's mom and grandmother receive Christ. It's in this moment. But then he leaves, and, and he would come back much later. And when he comes back later, not only does he find uh, Timothy's mom and and her, his grandmother, but he finds Timothy. And Timothy is, is grown up, like he's a lot more mature. He's definitely mature in his faith. And he's, in, like, he's so impressive that Paul's like, look, I, I think God might be calling you into ministry. Like, you need to come with me. Come on this missionary trip with me. And that's exactly what happens. But between Paul's first visit and Paul's second visit, let me ask you this. Who was teaching Timothy? Who was maturing Timothy? 
It was his mom and his grandmother. And they did an amazing job. Uh, there's this Scottish saying that says an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. I think that's right, right? There's just a little bit of mama goes a lot further than a whole bunch of sermons from a bunch of pastors. Uh, you have more influence than you know. You have greater power, more impact in your kids than you know. Even if you think they're not listening to you, they're listening to you. And I think this was the case with Timothy. In verse 5, it says, I remember your genuine faith. Your genuine faith. Paul is saying, look, when I think about genuine faith, I think about you. Because you have genuine faith. But here's the great thing about it. He's not saying you did this on your own. He says, um, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother and your mother. Like his faith came from his mother and his grandmother. But it was genuine. Paul says, look, I I see genuine faith. I I know who you are. And I know where it came from. I know where you got it because I know your mom and I know your grandmother. And it's that same, that same faith that continues strong in you. Now, um, Lois and Eunice believed in Jesus. They placed their faith in him. They grew in their faith. They lived it out. They were, they were the first ones to come to Christ in the family. They were the first ones to make it real. They were the first ones to live it out. And guess what? That's why Timothy got it. Because it was real to them, it became real to him. Uh, moms, listen to me. I just, have to, I just want to say this. Um, you can't pass on something that you don't have. You want your kids to grow up in the faith to be godly people, to be God-honoring, to be people of integrity, you have to model that for them. It has to be real for you. Abraham Lincoln once said, no one is poor who has a godly mother. Right on, right on, right on to that. Amen? It's amazing what a godly mother can do. And, And see, you godly mothers... You're way ahead of the curve. Like, God has given you instincts beyond anything else. You understand, like, the first five years of that kid's, kid's life, that's so critical. You get it. And it's funny because you get that instinctively. Now, um, science is finally trying to catch up to you moms. Like, experts are now saying that 85% of your kid's uh, character is developed and formed by the age of five. 85% of their character, get that, before they're five. You know what that means? Get to them early. Start teaching tenderness and godliness early. They can learn it that early. Train them up young. Uh, Now, let me just take a side diversion real quick and just tell you, I've run across something here recently that's been working on me on this subject, and it has to do with our, our kids, our teenagers, are getting ready to go to summer camp. We send them to what we call CIY. It's Christ in Youth Summer Camp every year. Mix. So it's CIY mix for the junior high, CIY move for the high school. And it's coming up in June. And I ran across this statistic that showed American Christian families, that's us, American Christian families will take their kids to church with them on a Sunday 1.8 times a month. And I thought, that can't be right. It's right. 1.8 times a month. Christian American families will take their kids to church with them. Now, um, what that means is we sat down and started doing the math, and we said, you know what? What that means is we get to influence them for 17 days from the time that they're in kindergarten to the time they're 18. 17 days is all the influence we have in their life. 
That might seem a lot to you until you realize that social media has over a thousand days of their life. Who's raising our kids, right? Now, here's why I'm really getting excited about our summer camps. Because do you realize by sending your kid to summer camp, you've just influenced, you you just allowed their God influence to increase by 25 to 30% by sending them to one camp. That's incredible. If you want to support some of our our junior high, high school kids going to camp, um, man, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, even though it's, it's well over $400 per kid, we just tell each kid, look, if you bring 100 bucks, we'll make sure we cover the rest. That's how much we believe in it. Why? Because we know that we need more God influence in their life because everything else around them is trying to influence them for, for other things. Um, moms, you have an opportunity to influence your kids in tenderness and godliness, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, a third thing, though, comes up in verse 6 and 7. It says this, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. There's three ways that I think you can invest in your kids so that they can change the world. First one is tenderness. Second one is godliness. And you might not be surprised by this one. Third is boldness. Boldness. Many scholars think that Paul is writing this book, 2 Timothy, because... Timothy is starting to become fearful. And I don't know if that's true or not. It might be. And it might be because maybe because Paul's writing this letter while he's in prison. You realize he's sitting in prison as he's writing this and and he's been beaten, he's been arrested. The Romans are oppressing Christians. They're being scattered. A lot of the the preachers, the people that are going around sharing the gospel, they're, they're getting to a place where they're really starting to question, should I be doing this or should I not? They're losing their boldness. And yet Paul says God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. Moms, teach your kids to be bold, especially where it comes to their faith. Provide that foundation so that they can be bold. They, They don't have to worry about anything else. They know where they stand. They know truth. You've got to bring them up to be bold. And I know some of you, you're frustrated because you've been watering and planting and watering and and planting in your kids' lives for a long time and you haven't seen a whole lot of of produce, right? Like it's it's just not happening. I'm still trying to bring them up in the fear of the Lord. I'm still trying to teach them what's right and yet I'm not seeing a whole lot. And I understand that you're not going to see those seeds germinate for quite a while, but if you continue to live out that example and keep preaching that to your kids, I promise you someday you're going to produce a bold and effective witness for for the sake of Jesus Christ. But you've got to hang in there. You've got to stay at it. Uh, if you're not sure that it's actually going to pay off, I want to tell you what happens to Timothy. Because I, I guess, I'm, I would probably um, guess that his mother and his grandmother probably sit around the dining room table at night drinking coffee, talking about what are we going to do with little Timothy, right? I'm sure they had those conversations. I, he made that decision again. Didn't we talk to him about that, right? And yet, if you follow Timothy's life and you see what happens to him, Timothy, when, when Paul calls him to follow him on this missions trip, he's in his late teens, early 20s. He's still really young. Paul says, look, I see, I see what God is doing in your life. I'm calling you out. I want you to follow me. I, w- I want to turn you into a preacher, a man of God. And he begins to follow Paul. And, and he takes off and he goes on this second missionary journey with Paul. And he becomes Paul's disciple. 
He becomes a very close friend of Paul's. He becomes a co-worker with Paul all the way through Paul's life, all the way up until Paul's death. He's a dear friend and co-worker and disciple of Paul's. He went with Paul to Athens and Corinth and Jerusalem and Philippi and uh, Ephesus. He goes all over with him. He travels everywhere. He has such an impact that Paul actually refers to Timothy 11 times in the New Testament. And two books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, are specifically written to Timothy, and they're canonized and placed in the Bible. You want to talk about impact? You want to talk about boldness? But it all started with Timothy's mom and grandmother. Um, Carl Menninger is this uh, famous psychologist, and, and he has this theory that, you know, if we, if we love people in a certain way, it will transform their lives. And, and one of the things that he said is he said, what's done to children, they will do to society. I think that's what we're seeing in the world around us today. Why? Because we didn't raise kids to be tender, to be godly, to be bold. Moms, I want to encourage you. Raise them. Invest in your kids. And watch how they'll change the world around them. Isn't that what every Christian parent wants? Like we just want our kids to grow up, to know Christ, to, to live productive lives for the kingdom, to be people of integrity, to be Christ-like. But see, here's the problem. We can't ask them to shoot for a target that we don't paint for them. We, we have to be the model. We have to be the example for them to follow. So, moms, I, I want to tell you, today we honor you. We're, we're just blown away by you. We are amazed at you. Uh, we honor your role today. We, we declare that it is one of the most important roles on the face of the earth. And your job as a mother never ends. The job never ends. It never ends. It never ends. It never ends, right? It just keeps going. Uh, I heard of a second-grade classroom the teacher asked the question. She said, uh, why did God make mothers? And they wrote down their answers. This is just a couple of them. Uh, one kid wrote, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. <laughs> Another one wrote, uh, mostly to clean the house. Right? And then I love this other one. This kid wrote, uh, you know, why did God make mothers? Um, to help us out of there when we're being born. I was like, <laughs> Wow. That's pretty graphic, <laughs> okay? But if I'm answering that question today, what I would say is to help us arrive at God's best once we've been born. As mothers, to, to point your kids to Jesus, to, to raise them up so that they can arrive at God's best for them. Uh, we want to see that. And moms, thank you. Thank you for making that a goal. Thank you for, uh, you know, raising our kids up in tenderness and godliness and boldness and continuing to do that. Now, are you perfect? Absolutely not. We know that. We got a children's department. Your kids tell us stories all the time. Uh, <laughs> nobody's perfect, right? But here's the great thing. As long as we're focused on God, we're going to make some mistakes, but God is big enough. He just kind of smooths out the rough edges. Stay at it. Don't get discouraged. Uh, thank you for your love. Thank you for honoring the Lord and everything that you do as you raise your kids. Thank you for raising our kids in tenderness, for raising them in godliness. Thank you for setting the foundation for boldness. Um, one of the toughest jobs on the face of the earth is being a mom today. And we appreciate you guys, the hard work that you put in 
to care for our families. And we just love you. Thank you so much. Um, what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to ask, if your mom is with you, would you just lay a hand on her or hug her or whatever you want to do? And we're just going to pray for our moms to end this service today. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now on this day that we set aside to honor our mothers. And Lord, we know it should be every day of the year. But Lord, this is this one particular day. We just said, hey, we're going to make sure that our moms know how much they're loved and how much they're appreciated. Would you please let our moms know that we love them? Um, Lord, sometimes it seems like we take them for granted, but yet we still appreciate them more than they know. God, for the mothers in here who are struggling, would you lift them up? Would you let them know how much they are loved, how much you are with them, that you know right where they're at, and that you, you've got their needs in mind. You're taking care of them. Lord, for our mothers today that are grieving, I pray that you would just meet them right where they're at, touch their hearts and minds. And Lord, today, um, would you allow us just to love on them through our words and through our actions to show them how much our mothers mean to us. God, we just lift them up. We ask that everything that we do and say just glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. amen.